Welcome to the Da Vinci Hour, a podcast series that interviews individuals across the field of medicine to help provide an inside look into their experiences and provide insight on how to navigate the journey of becoming a physician. My name is Dr. Maxwell Cooper, and I will be your host. This podcast is brought to you by Da Vinci Academy, a medical education company that provides online video courses, outline format books, and clinical case videos for students studying the medical basic sciences. You can check out all that DaVinci Academy has to offer at www.dbiacademy.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the DaVinci Hour podcast. I'm here with uh, Dr. Thomas Mraz from the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Mraz, welcome to the show. Uh, happy to have you here. Thanks, Max. It's good to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So give us a little bit of background just on your training and, and what your clinical practice looks like in your current position at the clinic today. Yeah, so I am an orthopedic spine surgeon. I uh, did, as you know, went to the same medical school uh, at Case Western. Then I went to do my GW residency in Washington, D.C. Uh, then did two fellowships, one in orthopedic spine surgery and another one in neurosurgery, spine surgery at UCLA and University of Tennessee in Memphis, respectively. And then I came here to the Cleveland Clinic, and I've been here for about 18 years. Um, I started uh, as director of the research lab probably, I don't know, 2007 or so, uh, and I've done that since then. I then became the director of the Spine Center, which is a big uh, multifaceted uh, interdisciplinary uh, spine section here at the Cleveland Clinic. And then I recently in 2020 became the Institute Chair, which is uh, the chair over orthopedic surgery, rheumatology and rehab. Awesome. Awesome. And I guess, so people aren't familiar with the clinic system, the there's the institutes and then there's those departments within. So like in your Institute, you like you said, it would be the departments of orthopedics and rheumatology, kind of the surgical and, and more medical or uh, non-surgical focus. Right. Yeah, And so uh, many years ago, the Cleveland clinic went to the Institute model where they took like departments and partnered them where there was synergy and how they deliver patient care uh, and just the medicine behind of what, behind what they're doing. Uh, and they developed these institutes. And so if you looked at an umbrella, um, one institute is the Orthopedic and Rheumatologic Institute, under which rheumatology, orthopedics, and rehab fall. Um, there's roughly 130 or so physicians under my institute. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, there's a lot of students and, and residents listening that, are, you know, aspire to be in, you know, leadership positions and administrative. I guess I'm wondering, you know, how your that role as director of the spine lab, which I was also fortunate to be a part of and work on some research with you. And then obviously the director of the spine center and then any other experience that you think might've been you know, helpful to getting to where you are uh, now. Yeah, it's interesting. So when I was a medical student, I, I really had no aspirations of becoming a chair. And I, you know, in my twenties, I really didn't know exactly how life was gonna unfold, um, how, I per, how I'd perceive over the years, my role in the institution um, and, and, you know, and, and, and and so I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew I loved the medicine and I had a very innovative spirit. Um, as I started my job, um, you know, I think as you move through, you, you realize great leaders and you realize where there's opportunity uh, and you experience that at all levels as a medical student, as a resident, as a fellow and as staff. And, you know, I've always been one that's always been wanting to make things better whether it's becoming the best surgeon I could possibly and be and really mastering the individual steps of a surgery um, or really dialing in my own interpretation of how a patient's perceiving. How can we um, look at patient outcomes differently? Are we really looking at the same thing or the right thing? Um, but also, how do you run a department? 
how do you really make an environment the best place to work? It's one thing to say that, but it's an entirely different thing to create the fertile ground and make that possible. And I think over time, I've been able to relate to people. Uh, I've always been a pretty quiet person. Uh, I absorb a lot. You know, I was, a, I was the same way when I was a little kid, when I had older siblings and how I, I would always learn from mistakes uh, without necessarily creating the same mistakes. And, and that's what we do in life. We iteratively learn to do things differently. And if you're strategic in a, in a way, you'll be able to learn from the mistakes that you've made, learn from other mistakes, and then become better and better what you do. But I was very good at listening to people. Uh, and I've always had, I can't say the, always the best vision, but I always had a vision, whether it's my own practice or I think spine surgery should be nationally and internationally. Um, I had a vision about how we can deliver care to uh, in a better way, a more accurate, more precise way um, to different parts of the country, to different parts of the world, thinking global and thinking really, really big. Um, and I've always had a knack for and it's changed, that's developed, but I've always been relatively decent at talking to people and understanding uh, how to get to an agreement, how to take two opposing forces and compromise. How can you clearly um, explain your vision, um, get people inspired to do that? Um, and a lot of it, honestly, um, I've taken a lot of courses and you know, you hear words like emotional intelligence and um, safe environments and um, servant leadership. And honestly, I think if anybody asks me, and I have to give a talk on this next week, it really comes down to the person and the type of per person you are. I mean, if you're a person who's, I think, good natured, you really want to do the best for your career, you want to do the best at everything you want to do, then leadership is a good, good aspect to go into. But the other stuff, the interpersonal interactions, it's it's, it, those are innate characteristics. It's either you're a really good listener and you can relate to people and you can read a room and you can develop the ability or you have an innate ability to, to learn from facial expressions and you know how the other person's feeling without them saying it. I mean, those are harder things to teach, but you can learn them. But I think uh, if, if you're such a person or if somebody is like that, then you just couple those innate skills, develop them further with a lot of resources that every almost every institution has now. And then couple that with your, uh, your vision and what you want to do with your professional career. We're going to take a quick break to let you know the DaVinci Hour podcast is brought to you by DaVinci Academy, which provides online video courses for the medical basic sciences. These courses are taught using a variety of teaching methods, including bullet point outlines, diagrams, radiology images, and chalk talks to explain the fundamental concepts. We then teach the application of those concepts to numerous clinical pearls that are frequently tested on medical school exams and the USMLE. Our video courses are available on our website, dviacademy.com, as monthly subscriptions starting at $9.99 per month. Each video course has a corresponding outline format textbook as well. You can find the link to our website in the description below, also, be sure to use the discount code TDH20 to receive 20% off any of our video courses. All right, now back to the podcast. You know, I, I imagine you still maintain a busy clinical practice while you're being the, the chair. Is that right? Um, I guess maybe what's your split and I guess what's your advice for 
you know, when you're pursuing something like leadership, that's very consuming, or, or it could be anything like research innovation. How do you maintain that, those clinical skills? <laughs> yeah, that, that's changed too. Um, and I always, I'd probably talk to you about this at some point, but you know, it's, it's perspective, it's philosophy on life and, and it can't be more important. So when you're a medical student or you're a resident, you have to design the career that's going to be, match almost perfectly, as perfectly as you can make it, what your expectations for your life are. Um, now, you may be somebody that wants to go out to Montana and you want to spend extended periods of time there. You like mountaineering, you like fly fishing, uh, you like pushing the envelope in any physical activity, but you need to be outside. That's, that may require different, uh, in a different environment. Uh, a different career, a different vocation within medicine to make sure that you're able to do that. And so giving up everything for your career and subtracting everything out else that you like in life is never going to be a harmonious situation and you'll end up unhappy. So I think first and foremost, choose a career that you want to go into that's going to be able to, that you'll be able to couple or marry what you want from your own life and the time outside of the hospital, because there's a lot of life out there. We get one chance to live it. And I think that's incredibly important. Um, and then be organized and strategic and really thoughtful on how you construct your career. And I think to give you uh, maybe a, a couple of examples, I think for me over time, my allocation to work in my life has been pretty consistent. Life outside of the hospital is really important to me. I like a lot of outdoor activities, surfing, cycling, running, um, and I will never give that up. But at the same time, I have this drive to do things and, and work and like I've mentioned, and so I've become highly organized. Um, and then when I had kids and they are very, very young children, they have needs that you know, as soon as I get home at five o'clock, I make sure that my work does not lead into the evening or on the weekends. Uh, and so being mindful of not only what you want personally, but of what your family deserves and requires from you, but also being able to deliver. So highly organized. So to give you an example of my day is like now, um, I go to sleep relatively early now, wake up at 4, 4 a.m., work out, um, get all that stuff out of the way while my kids are still asleep. And then I come to work, usually the first here because I get done all the other stuff, like the administrative stuff that I want to get done. Then I go to the operating room Monday and Tuesday. And then I have about a day and a half to two days for administrative work. Uh, and so it's roughly a 50-50 split but I would never give up my clinical practice. I mean, I love my patients. Um, it's why I went into medicine. I mean, I, yes, I want to do bigger things in medicine and touch more people and think about how machine learning and artificial intelligence can transform chronic disease and all that other stuff. But I really like my patients. I like the older patients. I like having time with them in clinic um, and talking to them and getting to know them. And for me, that's always going to be the most important thing for my job. I just have become more organized and um, unfortunately, uh, a little bit more sleep deprived, but not too bad. I can only imagine the balance. I mean, I try to do it with residency and some of the other things I'm doing. Um, I guess you mentioned you're still working on the research. Uh, what are the, th what types of research or what types of innovation things are you, you working on? If you could give us like one or two, uh, to kind of yeah. close this out a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, the research had, you know, for a long period of time, it's been clinical outcomes research. So we were looking at our own patient reported outcomes before and after surgery or before and after injections. And trying to figure out, well, what can we learn? Uh, how do we develop iteratively? How do we change what we're doing clinically to make sure that we've listened and paid attention to all these questionnaires that we're giving to the patients for the past 15 years? And so that's been a large part of it. But as technologies improved, computing capacities increased, we're moving much more into the realm of artificial intelligence. We partnered with 
an external company um, called Insight, which is a very, very uh, capable company to look at our own data, uh, integrate a working platform where we can make real informed decisions in real time as a patient is sitting in front of me uh, when I'm talking about surgery. And even though I think the patient may be a good operative candidate, you know, I want to know also in real time, well, what's my historical performance on a patient just like this? And how does it compare to the rest of the people in the group? Because I think it's really important, particularly now in 2022, to, to harness everything we can with computing capacity and integrate in such a way that we make better decisions, uh, homogenize our, our care across a larger system, per, um, perfect our care to the extent possible. Uh, another thing we're working on right now is managing high blood pressure with artificial intelligence. We just completed a very large project looking at over an unprecedented 1 million patients. And we realized that just med medication selection alone is gonna take uh, improvement of high blood pressure from about 50% success rate, believe it or not, 50%. You know, that means 50, the, the other 50% of people who have high blood pressure, which is about 700 million people or so are, not, are poorly controlled. Um, but we'll be able to increase that by about 25%. And so we're going to take that again, partner in partnership with, you know, other companies and integrate it into Epic and figure out how we can use it to treat a larger patient population across the United States in our system. Um, but those are the things that we're working on right now. Uh, again, it's, you know, but, but it's, I couldn't do it all by myself. Clearly um, I can come up with ideas and I can put pieces on a chessboard together and, and get alignment but I'm not the run writing the code. But at the same time, um, like you, I mean, I like doing a lot of different things. And so um, I look at myself and yes, I'm a spine surgeon. I love spine research, but you know, you at one point you become a conductor and you know where you can move things and, and get the most inertia of different initiatives. And so that's, it's always been an appealing and compelling part of my job. It's been really exciting. That's really awesome. And I mean, I think patient selection is so important and that, you know, that's amazing that artificial intelligence can play such a huge role. And like, in like your field of spine surgery is, you know, you're an expert on that. So, you know, critical is, you know, which patients should receive surgery, which should not. And then that's amazing about hypertension. I didn't, you know, that's, that's such a, I mean, it's such a global health problem that that's amazing that AI can uh, bring it forward. Well, you, you always, you answered my last question, which is what do people do to kind of unwind outside the hospital? Um, so it sounds like you're a very outdoors guy and obviously your family keeps you busy. So, um, I think anything, if you'd want to add to that, or we can close out here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, I think the most important thing is just to stay true to yourself. Don't get lost in your career. Um, because at the end of the day, it's not worth it. You know, when, when, when our time comes and we're dying, it's, I'm not going to be, I'm going to want my family around me or. I'm not going to be thinking about how many surgeries I did. I'll be satisfied that I helped a lot of people, but if I were to give any advice to anybody, be true to yourself, make sure you live the life that you want to live. Because again, we only get one chance and, and keep the people around you who you want around you very close to you. Um, and don't, and again, I, I know I just said it, but don't give yourself up for your career because there are ways, innovative, creative ways to merge everything together to a harmonious equilibrium that works for each individual person. That equilibrium looks different from person to person. The last thing that I would uh, mention, um, and if it's residents listening to this or, or, or medical students, um, I think what has allowed me some success is just grit. Um, you know, when I started out as a, as a resident and, and more so as a fellow and early staff, I, I did a lot of work after hours. You know, I wasn't married, um, I didn't have kids. 
And so I really put a lot of work in and I did it early. And so now uh, my life is much more streamlined and I'm not working at night. So you can, if you want to do something like this, just publish and work as hard as you can, as early as you can um, maintain again, everything I've said about life, but there's, it'll take some grit, some resilience, um, some failures. Um, but don't be afraid to fail because it's just a, another example of how you're going to push forward and, and achieve even more. Uh, but put the work in early. And I think uh, over time, it's going to pay dividends and almost everything you do. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again for those, those parting words. I appreciate it. And thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. Uh, I enjoyed talking with you. Anytime, Max. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Da Vinci Hour brought to you by Da Vinci Academy. More episodes are available on our website at dviacademy.com, our YouTube channel. They're also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also on our website, you can find our video courses for anatomy, biochemistry, and histology, and they're available as month-to-month packages. They're also available as a combo package where you can get all three courses in one. Our website also has a store where you can find our outline format textbooks for anatomy, biochemistry, and histology. All textbooks are available in paperback version and as ebooks as well. These textbooks complement our video courses and provide a nice addition to the learning experience of allowing you to focus on the learning and not having to write anything down. On our website, we also provide a free clinical cases video series called Da Vinci Cases. Da Vinci Cases aims to help you learn how to answer USMLE questions and apply concepts that you learn in our courses to answering those questions. Our cases cover a variety of topics and organ systems, and they're updated frequently with new cases. And then lastly on our website, you can find our blog, which has interesting articles that cover medical history, important figures in medicine, and innovations in medicine. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Da Vinci Hour, brought to you by Da Vinci Academy. Please be sure to tune in for our next episode.